It's time to explore wrestling's past and potential future with your weekly dose of a segment we call What If? Only found here on the WWE Podcast. Guys, welcome back to What If? The first What If in probably two months. I think it has been about two months, and it's great to be back. And I'm back with Anthony DeMarco, who's here tonight to cover the great topic of What If? Triple H and Shane McMahon actually had a rivalry, one that we, I think, both believe should have happened, and we're going to explore the what if it did. And, uh, Anthony, welcome back. It's great to be back in the saddle with you, so to speak. Yeah, man. Uh, Happy New Year to you. I don't think we've spoken since the turn of the calendar, but uh, obviously the news surrounding Shane McMahon post-Royal Rumble kind of sparked this in my head to talk about this. But I really think that this is a rivalry and obviously kind of like the the, uh, the native rivalry specialist here. Um, I think it's one that a lot of people were expecting and or hoping for. And I could say personally that I was fully on this train for several years. And looking back, I'm absolutely shocked that it didn't happen. It doesn't make it's one of those few you look back and we can say whatever we want about Shane. People at home can say whatever they want about Shane and and his performance and how he is in the ring and his punches being terrible. And they are at times. But Shane does put his complete soul on the line in the ring. There's you know, there's no doubt about that. He's not the best technician. Some of his moves are a little bit see through, but the guy puts it all out there. And I do respect that now. That said, you, yeah, how did this rivalry not happen? It is, it, it would be like art imitating life. It would be the brother protective of her, of his sister over the wrestler who's trying to, you know, uh, trying to marry the boss's daughter. And like, there, there's so many things you could get into. How did this not happen? I, I really don't know. I don't know how this didn't happen. I'm sure it was tossed around at creative production meetings. It's almost impossible to believe that nobody brought it up to Vince at some point. Uh, I mean, did did you actually think at one point that they were going to do it? Did you see any hints at any point over the last like 10 to 15 years or longer that they were going to do it at one point? I've I've heard rumors throughout the years, but nothing ever seemed to come come through. Well, look, let's take it back to February of 2016 when Shane McMahon first returned to WWE, and it's absolutely crazy that that's six years ago now. But uh, trying to get my head back on straight after realizing that, he came back interrupting Stephanie McMahon's ceremony where she was getting awarded the Vincent K. McMahon Legacy Excellence Award or something. Mm -hmm. And then he comes back with the goal of taking control of Monday Night Raw. That's what his purpose was when he came back. And Vince says, I'll give you what you want. You just have to win one match one time. And then he books him versus Undertaker inside Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania 32. They could have literally taken that entire story, keep that creative, but then instead of Vince saying, you have to face the Undertaker inside the cell, the game's music hits, he comes to the ring, and they square off for power. Because during this time, the authority was in power. It was right there. Like, Triple H was the WWE champion at this time, and I know that they were desperately trying to book towards Roman versus Triple H to main event Mania at WrestleMania 32, one of the most underwhelming WrestleMania main events in recent memory, if not of all time. But 
they for sure knew that Shane was coming back at least a month in advance. And a month prior, Triple H wasn't the world heavyweight champion. Mm -hmm. So in my head, like they should have written it exactly as they did. Have him interrupt Stephanie McMahon, have him challenge Vince for control of Monday Night Raw, and then just have Triple H come back or come out rather and go face to face with his brother-in-law. Like they wrote it exactly the way it should have been written. It's just the final piece to this puzzle. They decided to choose the Undertaker, and then it made the Undertaker kind of seem like a henchman to Vince McMahon doing Vince's bidding. There was just no good reason for them to get to Taker versus Shane inside the cell, aside from Shane's inevitable bump off the top of the cell. And at that time, I think the Undertaker was still capable of having good matches. If I think back in 2016, probably one of his last good like years of his in-ring career. But yeah, they wrote it perfectly to set up against Shane and Triple H. But for some reason, they took a hard left turn and went with The Undertaker. <laughs> I remember that. And I'm thinking to myself, just what you said, right? Like you have Vince McMahon who's out there saying, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom, something along those lines. You know, if you can beat The Undertaker, I'm like, what What the hell does The Undertaker have anything to do with this? And why is he suddenly <laughs> taking orders from you? This this did not make any sense. And why didn't Undertaker just say, "Yeah, uh, that's not happening, Vince," and give him a, a choke slam and call it a you know call it a day? It, that made no sense. It essentially made Undertaker kind. Of, he was a babyface in the match, but you were also kind of rooting for Shane because Shane was you wanted to see the authority toppled. So it, it was a very strange match. A match that was cold from the start, even though they are two big stars, and I did not like the Undertaker's involvement in that. Plus, you add to the fact that we're supposed to believe that Shane McMahon coming back after, like, what, eight years is going to go toe-to-toe with the Undertaker, the greatest of all time. Like, we're supposed to believe that there's going to be really any offense by Shane McMahon, and at some point during the match, there there was, you know, Shane did have Undertaker on the line, and it did seem like Shane... At, at one point, I remember looking at this match going, oh, my God, Shane could actually win this. And it was really just a it was a bad choice on all levels, despite the fact that it wasn't a terrible match. But uh, I don't want Shane ever to be believed that he could beat The Undertaker. I never I, I was not on board with that. On top of the fact that Undertaker is suddenly taking orders from Vince. What does he have to gain from this? The answer is nothing. Uh, and then, yeah, you, you have the answer right in front of you. Why this happened is Roman Reigns. That's the only reason this happened is because Triple H was already tied up in the Roman Reigns story. You have Triple H who was there to essentially just make Roman Reigns and get him over. And you, everyone in the world and the people that were probably dead in their graves, everybody that ever existed knew that Triple H was going to drop the belt to Roman. And it was, you just said, I mean, it was, it was a long match. It was a, it wasn't a particularly exciting match. The crowd was dead by the end of it anyway. And it was, it was, it, you said it was, is one of the most underwhelming and uh, anger worthy main events of all time was Roman Reigns Triple H at 32. And that's the reason why we didn't see it at that particular time because Roman was the number one priority to just get that baby face big dog character over. Didn't matter. Uh, nothing else mattered. All, all else didn't matter. It was just Roman, 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 and Triple H was the WWE champion. Obviously, he couldn't face Shane McMahon at the time because he it was Roman Reigns. If, if Roman Reigns, if Triple H was not champion and he wasn't the one designated to face Roman at that WrestleMania, it, it had to have been Triple H. 
My God, it's so true. Like, I remember when we started doing this show, or maybe even before I joined, I would listen to you and how many times you would say all roads lead to Roman Reigns when he was the big character of himself. And that's quite it. They had so many negative side effects by pushing this big dog character, specifically at WrestleMania 32, that it kind of indirectly affected a Shane McMahon versus Triple H program at for that WrestleMania. And then even aside from that, like I think everyone wanted to see Dean Ambrose versus Roman Reigns in the main event of that WrestleMania, but they couldn't do that because they knew that the crowd would be behind Dean Ambrose. So Dean Ambrose had to go off against Brock Lesnar in one of the most, I would say, disappointing Mm. matches in recent memory. And then that also had a side effect because we never got to see Brock versus Bray Wyatt. And that was a match that they were building towards. And it just seemed like there were so many side effects here from them going full steam ahead with Triple H versus Roman Reigns in the effort to get Roman Reigns over. And then I guess like kind of leaving that in, in the past a bit, You fast forward to, I believe it was Survivor Series 2017, the good old brand versus brand uh, pay-per-view. But at this time, it still was kind of a fresh concept. And Shane McMahon at the time was the commissioner of SmackDown. And one thing I will say is I think that when they transitioned into SmackDown Live and they made the brand split a thing again, I felt like Shane McMahon really embodied SmackDown and he really made it feel legitimized. Because it had been like an eight-year run where where SmackDown was far and away the B-level show. Like, on a side note, do you remember from like 09 to like 2016, like you didn't even really have to watch SmackDown to keep up to date with the storylines of WWE? Yeah, people forget that. People forget SmackDown was essentially an irrelevant show for a better part of a decade. It was bad. I mean, I, re- I don't even recall watching SmackDown in a full yep. episode, maybe even once, because you could just watch the highlights, see what happened on uh, you know, uh, your wrestling website, whatever. You could just go, oh, okay, this happened, that happened, that happened. But the real next step is going to be on Monday Night Raw. Like, SmackDown was just a glorified main event. It was just a, a maintenance show that just had to happen because SmackDown's a thing. So we're just going to, quote-unquote, continue the storylines, but not really do anything to continue them. It, yeah, people forget how irrelevant that show was. Yeah, when, like, the logo was, like, the black X in the back, like, I I remember, like, when I tuned back into wrestling in 2011, I was watching it, like, sparingly from 2011 to, let's say, 2015, and I never, ever tuned into SmackDown, like, it literally felt like a Sunday Night Heat, like, the biggest champion you would see on the, (laughs) yeah, or Velocity, exactly, (laughs) And I remember, like, the biggest match you would see on the card would be, like, the United States champion. Or a lot of times you would see the World Heavyweight champion. But that was right around the time when the World Heavyweight Championship fell to the same level as, like, the U.S. champion. Like, when Sheamus had it in that era. But in regards to Shane McMahon, when they brought back the brand split and he became the commissioner of SmackDown, I thought he really legitimized that brand. Like, I know they had Daniel Bryan as the general manager, but I really felt that... Shane McMahon, in a lot of ways, was the star of that show. Obviously, like, the whole AJ Styles, the face that runs the place, really caught on. I felt as though The Miz did excellent work, probably the best work of his career as the Intercontinental Champion over on SmackDown. 
But I think that Shane McMahon in those early years of SmackDown Live, when they brought back the brand split in 2016-2017, re-legitimized the brand and kind of rebranded himself. Like, okay, he's not just the boss's son. He's also a guy that's gung-ho on making SmackDown feel important again. And I remember he collided with Triple H in the five-on-five match at Survivor Series 2017, where Shane McMahon was the lone survivor, and Triple H acted like he was helping out his brother-in-law and then hit him with a pedigree. And then that's when the whole encounter between Triple H and Braun Strowman happened. So right then and there was another opportunity for them to struck while the iron was hot with Shane and Triple H. Yeah, it was. It was. And, you know, I I just, to me, this is, uh, you know, as I said at the beginning of the show, an art imitates life situation. And, um... There, there had been reports, and even as of late, with Shane McMahon's recent falling out, that Triple H and Shane have never really seen eye-to-eye backstage from a creative perspective and otherwise. So this, I think, is really just, it's mind-blowing it didn't happen, especially when you go all the way back to when they were in the corporation and Triple H was uh, in the, marrying uh, Stephanie McMahon, stole her away from Test, and Shane McMahon, at one point when he came in, was actually the babyface. When he was first introduced as Shane's son, he was the guy that actually gave Stone Cold his contract after Vince fired him in 99, I believe it was. And Shane was introduced. He was introduced as a mega babyface. And eventually he turned on Stone Cold. But you could have had you could have had it there. I mean, you could have had it all the way, as you said, in 2016. There are things along the way, as, as Shane kind of has gone in and out of WWE, and now he's out of it. Eventually he'll come back. If anybody doesn't think he'll come back, I mean, he's Vince McMahon's son, number one. And number two, he always somehow finds his way back to WWE. I just don't believe that Vince will ever hand the keys to Shane. I don't think Shane is truly truly interested in running this company I, I really don't think he is and i think it'll be handed to stephanie and triple h as we always have f- figured it would be but yeah th- this is really mind-blowing that it hasn't happened but let, let's think about if it did like what would it have looked like would you have done it in 2016 when he interrupted like pretend roman reigns didn't happen like if, if that wasn't if wwe champion was not triple h roman was in the main event with somebody else say dean ambrose as you said uh, which should have taken place and you have Shane McMahon and Triple H. Would you have done it in 2016, or would you have done this maybe a little later, a little earlier? What would you have done? Well, I would have booked Shane versus Triple H for WrestleMania right off the bat. And then following WrestleMania, I probably would have had them have a series of matches. Uh, maybe Shane gets the first win at WrestleMania, Triple H gets the second win, and then I think it would only be fitting that Triple H would ultimately win out in the the trio of matches, because that's typically how big storyline rivalries go. And then that would take you, give or take, right into the summer. And what happened in the summer of 2016? They brought back the brand split. And... I think that how I would have booked it is that Shane would have lost his attempt to take over power of Monday Night Raw, but because Vince admired his work ethic, he would have given him the power to be uh, the commissioner on SmackDown. And what do you know? That's pretty much what they wrote 
themselves in real life, which makes this so much more mind-numbing. Because I remember the night after WrestleMania, the Monday Night Raw of 2016, Shane comes out limping, saying just like, I tried my my ass off, I did what I could, but I couldn't get it done, a deal's a deal, Dad, like, thanks for the opportunity. And then Vince, like, kind of, like, begrudgingly realizes that he admired what his son has, had done and said, well, let's see what you got. And then Shane had a sequence of nights managing Monday Night Raw, which ultimately led to him becoming the commissioner of SmackDown. And I think they could have, again, just taken that storyline, but applied it to Triple H. Have him have, let's say, a series of matches against Triple H to take control of Monday Night Raw. He wins the first one at Mania, but then Triple H wins the next one at Backlash, and then the final one, they collide inside Hell in a Cell or something. And then the next night, Triple H says, get off my damn show, like I defeated you. But then Vince, who's kind of in the middle, more so on the side of Trip and Stephanie, but still admires his own blood and Shane, would have said, well... You didn't earn the right to to take control of Monday Night Raw, but you know what? Damn it, you did enough to earn the the right to take over SmackDown, and then that's how you could have transitioned the brand split. And again, this, like I don't mean to plagiarize or anything, but they kind of wrote this already. They just applied it in a completely different context. I like that story. It, it, to me, it's simple. It should have just been for control of Monday Night Raw. Yes, Shane would have lost, and he should have lost. He is the sub uh, subordinate to Triple H in, in a lot of ways. Backstage, I think there was a true power struggle. I mean, not that I've heard any true drama going on, at least as of recently, but how can there not be in real life, considering that, yeah, Shane's Vince's son, so that's kind of he's kind of got the birthright to uh, the, the uh, heir for the company, but at the same time, Triple H has been there every day, grinding, working his way up, getting to COO, and obviously gets a demotion uh, once or twice. And then Vince just takes over NXT. Uh, but to me, Shane McMahon should have lost that program that you put forth. And then you write. The brand split would have just been an offshoot of that. He goes to SmackDown. He does his thing. Did a very good job as the commissioner. And then the rest is history. But to the fact that they didn't even get to that match, I don't know if... I'm trying to think of the real reason why. Did they? Maybe there was a true power struggle. Maybe they just felt that they wouldn't have had, had chemistry in the ring, which I don't believe. I, I think they would have had really good chemistry in the ring. They have a lot of backstory, and WWE loves to say the first time ever, for the first time in history, for the first this and that. They would have been able to say that a hundred times for this one. And play off of a 20-year storyline with everything going back to you know the, the corporation, the corporate ministry, and the power struggle, and Triple H marrying Stephanie, and you know, like there's so much. It's just it doesn't make any sense to me. And I like that it would have been simple, easy, and concise, and it probably would have taken a, a couple of months to get through, and we would have been like, okay, cool, that that makes sense that we finally got that damn rivalry. And uh, so I, I guess that said, do you? See, now that we're, you know, looking ahead, any chance that if Shane returns, this could still happen? I mean, Triple H does seem to always keep himself, at least in some form or fashion, in shape. Shane is kind of in the same boat where he never shows, he he never comes back and looks like he's put on 80 pounds. He's always seemingly in the gym or whatever. If if Shane were to return to WWE, it's, it's kind of the, do you think it could happen or do you think the ship has sailed on this one? You know, I thought it was possible 
right up until the Triple H appreciation night. I remember you and I talking about this, and this was right at the beginning of the pandemic following WrestleMania 36, I guess it was. And it was like 10 years of the game, or 20 years, rather. My God, 10 years of the game, I wish. But it was like 25 years, maybe, of the game. You remember that, right? Yes, yes. And it was in, it was in the Performance Center. And I remember you and I doing a show and talking about, like, this can't just be for nothing, right? Like, this has to be building to something. And both of us speculated, and it's absolutely bananas to think that this is 22 months ago already, but both of us speculated, saying, like, I think it's going to start a program between Shane and Triple H, and it's going to build to SummerSlam in 2020. That's what both of us had said. And ultimately, it was just for nothing. It didn't amount to absolutely anything. I don't even think we've seen Triple H on television since that night. And all in all, it was just something to pop the ratings during the beginning of COVID, and they were probably struggling to find content, which... I can understand, and I can't imagine that it was easy in any which way during COVID to, you know, pump out original content two or three times a week. But at the same time, it was just another example of them blatantly avoiding low-hanging fruit and not capitalizing on this. And that's what Shane McMahon versus Triple H is. It's a low-hanging fruit. The story writes itself. And in a lot of ways, they wrote it on television as well. But for whatever reason... In Shane's quest to take back power of Monday Night Raw, Triple H was nowhere to be found. Like, I don't even think they shared a ring with each other until Survivor Series 2017. And even at that, they were only in the ring with one another for a couple minutes. Like, it's not even like they crossed paths, they exchanged words, they had a stare down, and then they ultimately just never had the match. Like, even if it would have been something like Triple H looks at him just like, I'm uh, I don't have time for you. I don't have time for Shane McMahon. Like, I'm Triple H. I'm a 12-time world champion or whatever it is. Like, you're just the boss's son. The only title you've held in WWE is the tag title and the European title. Like, even or a hardcore title as well. Like, just even something like that. But they never even hinted at it. They never even had a promo with one another. I think the only time they had a promo is when they did that stupid, like, the McMahons giving back to the, the, the power to the people. Remember that? Yep. I, I think that's the only time that they shared a promo, and that was more of, like, a off, like, non-kayfabe promo. So, look, to answer your question in a long-winded way, as early as 2020, I thought that it would have been possible, but after we thought it would be during Triple H's appreciation night... Now I just am dead set on thinking that they will never get around to it. That was an, I can't believe when you said, I haven't thought about Triple H appreciation night. Like you said, oh Jesus, like 24, nearly 22 years ago. Oh my God. Um, yeah. So thinking about that now, which I literally haven't thought about since we talked about it because absolutely zero, as you said, came of it like, like nothing. Not even like a potential feud, not not like, oh, maybe this could be something like it actually was less than nothing. Like somehow they took away. Um, it was nothing. And uh, it was all just Triple H highlights. And look, much respect to the guy. But usually those awards, those random awards that come out of nowhere or like a some kind of uh, title celebration or tribute to somebody or just like this random crap that comes out of nowhere. You're like, ah, that's an angle that's starting something like the Vincent Kennedy uh, you know, award. You're like, okay, that's going to start something. And it did. 
This is one example in which it didn't, one of the few. I think the other one is the $100 million egg that Vince, some for some reason, had on his desk for you know, at Survivor Series that we all thought somehow was going to relate to The Rock. Never did. It was just Vince McMahon woke up one morning and was like, that sounds like a damn good idea. Well, what, what's gonna what's it gonna lead to, Vince? Well, I don't know, but it sounds cool. And, and like that's that's essentially the end of it. Was the the, the damn egg it came of nothing. And Triple H, it, getting back to this, Triple H that didn't do anything. And uh, I thought it would. You and I, I remember that. Um, and it should have been coming to Shane versus Triple H. Now again, maybe they maybe it could have had we not been in a pandemic. Maybe it could have resulted in something. And I'm sure WWE held back a lot of stuff because they were in a pandemic and. I would, too. I wouldn't put my best foot forward if I was in a pandemic as far as bringing back stars and starting major storylines. I, I really wouldn't because there's no crowd. It's not good for uh, blowing through storylines that it would be best suited in front of a crowd to present. There, there's a lot of reasons why. And so I, I don't know. I mean, maybe they would have done this. Maybe they thought about doing it. And uh, they were like, well, we're not going to start this if there's no crowd. I mean, it's possible. So. You know, just for whatever reason, they're they're two ships that have always passed one another. They've never collided. They're just always on different wavelengths. They're always in separate storylines other than the one moment you mentioned in 2017 in the ring that they shared. They've never, ever, ever been on a collision course, which it's it's really impossible to believe. And really, I, I feel like we missed out. Now, do I think that this would have been a program for the ages and we'd be talking about it as one of the best ever? No, I don't think we would have been talking about it as the best ever. The promos would have been fun. I think the promos would have been a lot of fun. The brawls would have been a lot of fun. Uh, the history of 20 years with them uh, in the struggle for power in WWE in real life and in the ring would have been a lot of fun. Uh, it's just I, I think we missed out on a really good rivalry. But do you think that we missed out on something epic? Subjectively, yes, I, because for me, this would be a very nostalgic rivalry. Just because, and look, I said it on my uh, Shane McMahon career review episode in, uh, in, in place of my typical rivalries, and subjectively, he's on my Mount Rushmore. I don't know what it was, but I just always loved Shane McMahon. I thought it was so damn cool that he was the boss's son, and he would just put his body on the line all the time when he didn't have to. I also found it pretty damn cool that, like, he never won, like, the big match, if that made sense. Like, he always lost the matches he was supposed to lose. Like, he never even became, like, the Intercontinental Champion or the U.S. Champion, never won the WWE title. Like, he always got involved in big storylines and always put up the good fight and was entertaining as hell doing it, but always lost, as it should be. And I used his rivalry with Kane as the best example and I would probably say that that's Shane McMahon's most significant rivalry because it was a rivalry that was far beyond him just being the boss's son. It was just a guy coming back to defend his mother's honor. Like, anyone could relate to that. And in that rivalry, he would go toe-to-toe with Kane. He would attack Kane. Like, the initial, like, uh, brawl between him and Kane where he just tackled him over the top rope and then beat him with a chair off the side of the ramp. Like... I thought he was so damn cool doing that because he looked like an average guy, but he always lost the big match. So for me, Shane McMahon has always been like a special type of character. 
And then you look at Triple H, and he's arguably a top five heel of all time, a top three probably or four competitor of the ruthless aggression slash attitude eras. He is a legend in this business, one of the most recognizable names to ever lay up the boots. And you put those two together with the real-life family ties that they have and the on-screen characters that they have shared at times in the corporate ministry, the McMahon-Helmsley regime, that brief period where the McMahon family was feuding against Randy Orton and Legacy. I think they had something there. And for me, it would have been a very legendary and noteworthy rivalry that we would still talk about to this day. And also because I think that Shane McMahon has a track record of being involved in very, very good matches, especially when they teeter on the brink of gimmicky type matches. And Triple H could have a five-star match with a broomstick. He's a ring general. So maybe for most people, they wouldn't think much of it because they'd be like, oh, here we go again. Triple H and McMahon's putting themselves in the spotlight. But for an older fan like me who inexplicably loves Shane McMahon, it would have been really, really good. Yeah, no, I'd say that you're probably in the minority, but I understand why. I mean, look, Shane McMahon, as I said at the top of the show here, as we wrap things up, I think Shane McMahon, we all understand what he's he can and cannot do in the ring. We understand his limitations. We understand he's not exactly Bret Hart in the ring. He's not Dean Malenko. We understand that. He's a brawler, but as you said, his best attribute is not necessarily his last name, although that certainly has helped him get where he's at, but rather his his complete dedication and all-in type of style in the ring. Now, yes, he's not the best puncher in the world, and he's, his punches can be really, really bad at times, but he does go all out, and he will put his body on the line and doesn't try to say, well, I'm Vince's son. I don't, I don't need to do this, right? Look what he did at King of the Ring in 90, I think it was 99 against Kurt Angle. If anybody hasn't seen that, I believe it's 99. I always get it mixed up. So I'm going to stick with 99. But King of the Ring against Kurt Angle, when he threw Shane through the glass and it didn't break, and it nearly broke his neck, not once but twice. He was cut up. He was banged up. It's, it literally was him putting his life on the line. Uh, I believe The one time that he jumped off of literally the top of the Titantron onto Big Show, I think it was. Uh, Shane McMahon, yes, he does these kind of stunt moves. But you don't do that without actually putting your life in your hands. Like, yes, they aren't exactly what today's standards of a five-star match are. I get that. Things change over time. But Shane McMahon has always been one to put his body on the line, put his soul on the line, and just not feel like he's entitled to not have to do that because he's he has the right last name. So I've always had Shane respect for Shane for doing that, even if... I don't believe he should be believable to go toe to toe with somebody like Undertaker, somebody like Kane. I've all to me that's the like the one thing I'm like, all right, well, it's Shane. He's a, he is a he's he is an average looking guy, but he's not one of the typical week in week out monster performers like Kane, Taker, Big Show, whoever he went against at the time. To me, he should have you know gotten about five percent offense in and just gotten his ass whooped ninety five percent of the time. Just from a from a logical standpoint, now I never hated anything Shane did. In fact, most of what Shane did, as you said, he could make anything interesting. He's good on the microphone. He puts his body on the line inside of the ring. He is a, a compelling character. He never does anything that embarrasses the company. Uh, he is all in on his stories, all in inside the ring. That is really the best thing I can say about Shane McMahon, despite the fact that he's limited inside the ring. So circling all the way back to Triple H, 
I don't personally, I don't think it would have been epic. I think it would have been something we go, yeah, that was cool because it made sense that we had these two that were that were struggling for power in real life and behind and on screen. They um, see, I think would have had really good chemistry in the ring. I think that their styles would have matched very well with Shane kind of being a brawler and Triple H being that technician, that slow, methodical pace that Triple H had. I think they would have matched very, very well inside the ring. So I'm probably a step behind you in terms of how we would have viewed this, but I still think we would have looked back and said, yeah, that, that was, that was a cool storyline. Yeah. Like, like I said, uh, I just think for me, it's because I have an inexplicable love and admiration for the Shane McMahon character. I don't know what it was, man. I think it really just was that rivalry with Kane that I found just like it was such a relatable rivalry. Like, the car battery hey. one? Yeah, yeah like yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Tying him I, to the ring post and uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> that that was pretty graphic. And, and I think it took Kane to a whole new level of sadistic as well, too. Like, that was a pretty, like, that's a rivalry that not many people talk about, but it even went on for a long time. It was from July all the way to Survivor Series. And, you know, remember the, the limo where they, he, he trapped Kane in the limo and sent it, like, headfirst into, into the tractor. Yeah. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yep. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I just yeah. remember that first, like, that first instance where, like, Shane just comes to the ring and then charges Kane and tackles him over the top rope. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just a very cool rivalry, but I do admit that I'm in the minority with Shane McMahon. Yeah, no, I, I don't think there's anybody out there that honestly looks at this and goes, oh, my God, Shane, why the hell do I need to see him? I actually heard a lot of that in the Royal Rumble. When Shane made his entrance to the Royal Rumble this year, which he got completely vilified backstage and online, berated about how he booked the Rumble. Apparently, he was all he was the one in charge of booking the Rumble from start to finish and all the interactions in between. And uh, people didn't want Shane, when I say people, I say the people backstage, the wrestlers and uh, the other creative staff didn't want Shane to be in the final few that were there and felt that he was kind of self-serving at the time. And yeah, well, he got a big pop. I mean, Shane McMahon always gets a big pop. And it it was, I didn't expect him to be at the Rumble. uh, And I didn't have any problem with him in the Rumble. I really had no problem until I read online that everybody else had a problem. And then I'm like sitting there (laughs) thinking, should I have a problem with this i mean i I didn't i didn't i really had no issue with the way that shane mcmahon booked it Uh, i know a lot of people don't like brock i know a lot of people or at least brock in that position um i really had no issue was the men's rumble super super exciting no but i didn't hate it i thought it was a fine royal rumble and i had no problem with it but i sat back and i'm like am i the one am i the weird one here i'm like everyone else is losing their minds over this and i'm sitting there going what's the problem i don't know yeah, no, I, I mean, like, it was underwhelming for sure, but, I mean, I don't know. I, I think a lot of times people just get mad to get mad, but, yeah, I mean, that's uh, a whole different discussion. Uh, yeah, no, I'm going to pause on that because we'll go down a whole nother road. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> I think that Shane McMahon, ultimately, this rivalry is something that should happen. Do I think it's something that's going to happen? I think, unfortunately, that ship has sailed. I don't think they're, they'll do it. Uh, I don't think it's impossible. I just think that with the way that uh, things are going in, in the company and that Shane McMahon never seems to be in a, in, in a long-term great relationship with Vince, there seems to always be turmoil, things that... I mean, guys, we only know like 1% of what happens. Like We have no idea what's being said to Shane behind closed doors where cameras are, are not there. We, we have no idea. We're just left here to speculate, as always. 
So I don't think it's going to happen. Triple H has his heart issue that we don't know how limited he is in the ring with that. I would assume things are good there, but does he really want to test it? You know, so I, I just think health-wise, age-wise, interest in it, unfortunately, a lot of it, I think, has passed. But if things somehow aligned, I'd still want to see it. Would you still want to see it if somehow they were able to pull it together in the next like year or two? I, I still would. Yeah, for sure. Because again, just the story itself, like obviously the entering work probably wouldn't be as good as it would have been, oh, six, seven, eight years ago. Right. But no, yeah, the story is just, it's still compelling. It's going to be compelling until they're no longer in the company. Because every day that goes by in real life, you have one more day of content to incorporate into the storyline. And as we've said numerous times, the best storylines in WWE are when the lines get blurred be- between the story and reality. And this would be a prime example of that type of uh, story. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, all right. Well, this has been a blast. I never never thought I'd uh, come to this Triple H and Shane McMahon thing. I thought about it, and I've never really thought that this was something we discussed, and I'm glad that you came up with it. I like it. And uh, unfortunately, I don't think it's going to live anywhere except in our minds and or in uh, in video games. So, uh, Anthony, before you leave, let everyone know where they can find you. As always, you guys know, too, he's the host of the WWE Rivalries episode that drops every Friday. So uh, go ahead. Yeah, you can find me here every Friday um, when I drop Rivalries or sometimes a uh, superstar overview. I've done it for Shane McMahon, Kurt Angle, Braun Strowman. But nine times out of ten, if not higher, it is Rivalries. And on Twitter at Marco 25 Very good, very good. Cool. Well, uh, it's great to have you back on the show. Obviously, not your fault, my own. But uh, we can hopefully continue this as long as things settle down and uh, sleeping patterns with my kids. So thank you, Anthony, and uh, you have a good night. Yeah, man. You two talk next week. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com and for all of these shows ad free head over to patreon.com slash wwe podcast until then we'll see you next time